The presenting sponsor of Top Docs is Netflix. Now presenting the documentary feature, American Symphony. From Academy Award nominee Matthew Heinemann, both IndieWire and Variety have named it one of the best documentaries of the year. The Hollywood Reporter says American Symphony is a moving love story, a celebration of art, resilience, and the mutability of the human spirit. American Symphony is available now on Netflix. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. I'm now back from Sundance, and as you can probably tell from my voice, I got a Sundance cold. I wanted to record this brief intro to my interview with the filmmakers for Union to let you know that we were joined by a special guest, Chris Smalls, who's the main protagonist of the film and the president of the Amazon Labor Union. Union, the film, follows the Amazon Labor Union, ALU, which is a group of current and former Amazon workers in Staten Island, New York City, as they fight to unionize one of the world's largest and most powerful companies. Thanks to the filmmakers and to Chris Smalls and to all of you for listening. And now, my interview with Brett, Stephen, and Chris. Hi, I'm Ken Jacobson, and welcome to Top Docs. Today, I'm speaking with Brett Story and Stephen Mang, the directors of Union, which is having its world premiere here at Sundance, and as part of the U.S. documentary competition. Brett and Stephen, welcome to Top Docs. Thanks for having us. Hi. We're also joined by Chris Smalls, who is in the documentary. Hi, Chris. Hello, thanks for having me. It's an honor to have you here with us. First, I wanted to talk about your creative partnership, Brett and Stephen, on this film. You're both very well-established directors on your own, yet here you are partnering on Union and you know, based on the films you've made previously, you have very distinctive styles, uh, aesthetics. I would love to hear how this partnership got started and how you came together in terms of developing the creative approach. Stephen, why don't you take it? Yeah, so Brett and I had known each other for a, a bit in the documentary community, really admired each other's work, and I, I feel like in some ways, we have both been making work that sort of takes stock of like structures and systems within larger sociological, political situations. So when this story came up where Chris led a walkout at the height of the pandemic over COVID safety and health protocols, it was big news that all of us had taken note of. And our producers, Sam Curley and Mars Verone actually first reached out and started talking to Chris about the idea of making a film. They reached out to Brett to see if she might be interested in collaborating and from her work and past interest in uh, Amazon, a short she had done called Camera Forest. Uh, they continued developing the piece. Brett reached out to me and as well as our cinematographer, Martin Tachiko, and a team was soon formed. Yeah, and Steve and I, it's true that there's lots of distinctions between our previous work, but I think we, part of our mutual admiration for each other is this recognition that even while formally our, our films might be different, we're both 
filmmakers that are really just interested in going beyond the surface of any given story and offering films to audiences that are multi-layered, that are complex, that give you something to really think about as well as really care about. And so it actually felt like a very natural collaboration. We each brought different experiences and skill sets. And then the the point was to make something even stronger than maybe we could have on our own. And I, I think that's what we've done. Chris, from your perspective, when you first met these two filmmakers, what was it that led you to think, you know, these are people I can trust and I'm willing to have them around filming while I'm organizing this historic union? The initial conversation, really, I wanted them to understand that, you know, we're opening our personal lives up to them. And as long as that was going to be displayed as well, along with organizing, we wanted to expose the nitty gritty of it, sharing our stories in an authentic way. That's all I was really concerned about. And I think they understand that completely. And the rest of the folks that I organized with, as long as they felt comfortable onboarding them and having them around and having them into their personal space as well, then I think it was just a natural relationship that developed even throughout the course of the, the campaign for us. It grew and it just became stronger throughout the film. There's some really intimate moments, letting them in our homes and things like that. We just got used to it, accustomed to that, and and it turned out to be a great thing for us. And was it just kind of the logical choice that this was gonna be an observational doc and you were gonna be there following these events through to whatever the conclusion may be? I think so. I mean, I think we're both filmmakers that are really interested in form and think, you know, what is the appropriate form for a given story? One form doesn't always fit every story, every issue. And in this case, part of our attraction to even the idea of making a film was that we understood that this group of people were going to be learning how to become organizers in real time. This is a group of people that some of whom had some experience, some of whom didn't, but were trying to do this thing that the established labor movement had deemed impossible. They were gonna organize a, a company that all these other unions had said was unorganizable. And so the idea of following them was, you know, it was very clear that it was gonna be much more interest to really bring people into what that looks like for real people and required a certain amount of intimacy and care and moments that are slow and not just be a kind of superficial story about Amazon and its bad labor practices or the history of the labor struggle. It needed to be intimate. We needed to be there in the trenches in real time. We didn't know how long it was going to take. They didn't know how long it was going to take. And yeah, I think the observational mode is the right mode for this film. Yeah, I think like when you consider the idea of the invisibility of the working class, there are large dimension of experience that we don't get to see or understand. And I think what, in a way, was a radical act for Chris and the ALU was to actually very openly allow us into their space, into their organizing and lives, because they think on some level they understood if the world could see what they were going through as workers and now worker-turned-organizers, there was an opportunity maybe to shift the culture, that uh, the fear of retaliation, the culture of fear that's cultivated by these powerful corporations who, let's just be honest, are engaged in in a kind of systemic oppression, right? There's an obsession with economic performance. And if the working class is given an outsized voice, they lose on that kind of return. 
the kinds of issues that they're advocating for are in direct conflict with what corporations like Amazon are interested in. And so to see that there's actually a great deal of pent-up indignation in the invisible working class that is directly connected to a untapping of collective power, win or lose, I think they understood this could be a meaningful thing. That was, of course, something that we started to understand and helped form our interest. One of the things that's so amazing about the film is that over the course of it, the pressure intensifies, tensions rise within the group from outside forces. There are scenes, for instance, where you have these people who are not really a part of your core group of the Amazon labor union, but they're labor organizers and they participate in your meetings and they have advice and their own thoughts about strategy. For you, this is basically your movement. I mean, you were at Amazon, all of you either current or former Amazon employees at this one warehouse, but you're also new to this game, right? So I was really curious about how you balance the need for input from outside people while also protecting your vision for what should happen as far as strategy and decision making. It was uh, playing chess and um, every day I had to make a move. And sometimes we get put in checkmate, which we did, we had to withdraw. And then sometimes we put them in checkmate, which we did. Then we successfully uh, ended the game, not really, but we, we won a historical victory, which we didn't know. If you would have asked me three years ago when I walked out of the building, that was even going to take place. So for me, just understanding that besides the organizer of the Amazon Labor Union, I've always been a people's person. Just me as a person growing up as a kid, being a former rapper, all these things that I endured in my life, being around people, even at work, working for the company, learning everybody's backgrounds, bringing people together. I think that's something I actually learned from Amazon was I had to work for these people, but also as a supervisor for Amazon, I had to make these people be productive for the company. So I had the best of both worlds, so to speak, in that way, managerial skills, and then uh, my natural born leadership. And I think I combined that too, and keeping grounded to where I came from, that helped a lot. I was these people at one point in time before I was fired, and I was the one working doing exactly what they're doing every day. So I can't forget that every day. So for people on the outside looking in, they're not gonna understand what we actually go through because we're actually the workers. So I cannot get distracted by it. I take it into consideration, of course, but we have to integrate it in a way that makes sure that the workers in the warehouse are leading it. And me being a former warehouse worker, it just helped. There's a scene in a movie where you're shooting and it's the winter of 2021, very windy, and you gotta have your, your organizing tent there and the tent is just falling to pieces. And it seems like there's basically one or two of you are just trying to keep this tent from falling apart completely. And the camera person asks off camera, you know, are you okay? Do you need some help? Were you the one shooting at that time? Yeah. You were. I actually had said, holy shit. You said, holy shit. Are you okay. okay? So it's one of those documentary moments where you have to make the decision. Do I keep filming or do I put the camera down and offer to help this person? And you do the latter. Can you just take us through your thought process of, on that date? 
Yeah, I mean, I think something that Brett and I really kind of really agree on is that this idea of objectivity is a very fictional one in documentary making, that the engagement is very porous, right? We are very much in their world and are engaging with them in a quite fluid way. I, I had been taking a nap in my car, heard screaming, <laughs> ran out. I was like, oh my God, this is, I got to get a shot of this because this is an exact articulation of the kind of like jeopardy that they are experiencing. And then it dawned on me like they actually might need my help. I, I, I love Josiah's reaction in that point. Uh, <laughs> at that moment, he was he, like in the good nature spirit of a lot of the ALU, played it off and played it down. But it seemed a little scary for sure. And, and I think that that is really reflective of the, the spirit of what, observational cinema, I think, strives to actually capture that these are like moments that nobody would ever see, right? This is an experience that directly articulates the kind of gap between what is seen in the media and what is never understood or known when a headline that a victory has come or a loss has occurred. The real endurance and sacrifice and risk that they are taking, literal risk, it was quite a moment for all of us. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but I, I just want to say it's also, I think, indicative of the special relationship between the three of you and the rest of the ALU. And I just want to take a second to congratulate you, Chris, and the ALU on your historic victory and wish you well as you continue to fight and struggle. And thank you and congratulate you, Brett and Stephen, on giving us this amazing insider view of courageous movement that seemingly is just beginning. And it was a privilege for us to witness this. You never, even when you're making a film, it's like starting a movement. You don't know if you're going to finish, but to be along the ride with you all was a distinct privilege of my career. I'm sure Steve feels the same. Thank you for asking these great questions.